one night in 1983, Kevin Eastman drew a short, squat turtle wearing a mask, standing on its hind legs while armed with nunchucks. His friend and roommate, Peter Laird, simply added the words, Teenage Mutant, underneath. Now, these two thought this was hilarious. The thought of one of the slowest creatures on Earth being a trained martial artist just tickled their funny bones. So they decided to expand upon the concept and in doing so, created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Today, we're going to look back at the history of the Turtles and talk about the video games they started during their heyday of the late 80s and early 90s. So stick around and join us for today's totally radical trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of our Video Game Nostalgia podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week, we use one game relevant to the current week in gaming history as an excuse to tell you a story about it. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. This week, we are looking back at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, which was released in Japan on the 24th of July, 1992 for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who lives by eating nothing but pizza. This week, he changed his name in our little recording chat room to Raphael, so he's my brother, Raphael, a.k.a. Rob Casson. Raphael, hey Raph, how's all that pizza diet treating you? Radical, Dave. <laughs> Calabunga, dude. It's <laughs> so bad. Oh, man. Hey, uh, I'm going to ask you what we're playing, but since what we're playing included uh, the topic of conversation and it will come up, I'm going to ask you, what are you playing that's not relevant to the Turtles? Well, Dave, uh, I have played a little bit of RuneScape, mm-hmm. some wee bit of Rocket League, mm-hmm. uh, Oxygen not included, okay, and Tarkov. Uh, I believe that is it for this week. Cool. But yeah, quite a variety this week for me, surprisingly. Oh, you forgot one. I you for- forgot. You, you one. forgot the yes, game. Yes, I forgot the game that we played with. Yes, actually, there were technically, well, no, just one, because one of them is the topic. So, yes, you're right, the Naraka game. You and forgot Naraka, yeah. You played house. Yeah. You're two for two. Have you played it yet since? Uh, I have not. No, I, my streak was too hot. I, I don't know if I want to ruin it. So, so we've played two matches as a group of Naraka Blade Point, and you won. You were last men standing on both matches of, of it. For those of you that don't know, Naraka Blade Point is a 60-person PvP. It's a hack-and-slash battle royale. And granted, we're in the beginning. It's bots and beginners, but Rob is the king of the beginner heap, apparently, because he was last man standing on the two matches of it we tried. So, I'm the kind of person in Naraka that we hate in Rocket League. Way too good to be at the rank we're at. Yeah. Well, then I played the next day and went into like a different mode that was definitely more experienced people and got my ass handed to me relatively quickly, like really quickly. So, you know, there's that. 
Uh, since I just jumped in and started talking about what I am playing, I played Naraka. I played a little bit of Oxygen Not Included. I started Raft again because it's it recently released its 1.0 update. And so the story is complete and I would like to finish the story of Raft. So I started that the other day. I also played a little bit of Rocket League. And then I had the pleasure of playing through Stray this weekend, which was a good game. Uh, you know, I, I um, very briefly, for if you don't know, it's a story about a cat going through a uh, dystopian cyberpunk world. You want to find out what happened. It's a good game. I think a lot of people are going to struggle with its price point. It's about a six hour game at $30, which is going to turn some people off. I think if for a 15 or $20 game, it would, it would people would perceive it much better much more positively although it's being perceived more positively rob did you see the um the posting on our little group snap that i put of stray uh people are calling it the king of because it's got a higher rating than elden ring right now uh no dave but i did happen to see that someone created a mod that the cat was actually uh garfield no, not Garfield. I saw that. Uh, I saw that the, one today. That, that, I can't think of his damn name, and it's a damn shame. The uh, character from San Andreas. Oh, the guy. Yes, C- CJ. Yes, CJ from San Andreas. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yeah. No way. I t- I'm telling you, man, it's okay. hilarious. Okay, so completely related to that. 100% related to that. <laughs> so you saw uh you saw a video of someone who modded Stray so that the cat is CJ, correct? Yeah. I saw a video maybe two, three hours ago in which someone modded GTA. So the main character is a cat that breathes flames on everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So with a little weird mash where everything comes together. Um, Yeah, that's a little bizarre as far as I'm concerned. So we'll just roll with that. Yeah. Check your phone real quick. Oh, no. Oh, it's not yes. like he's walking upright. He's literally no, walking on all yes, fours. No, yes, like a cat. Oh, that is freaking creepy. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, I did see that they started to mod the game so you could you could pick different cats. Like, you could play not just because the cat in the game's an orange cat, but you could be black cats or tuxies or they had a whole slew of cats. But that's um, that's a new one for me, for sure. I was I was amused earlier today when I saw Garfield and now I've seen CJ crawling on all fours. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I well, babe, that. I'm just waiting for the narwhal mod. That oh, oh boy. Yeah, the internet will do some fun things. But uh, you know, we spent some time playing a turtles game too, didn't we? Uh, I believe we did, Dave. We yes. did. Well, we'll get to that momentarily, but I uh, you know I guess I want to start with asking you because I I don't know are are you a Turtles fan? I do not know it nearly as well as you, but considering that it was instilled into my childhood by someone, I would say that I'm a fan. Well, I mean, I grew up when it was in its heyday. Like literally 88 to 92 is considered like the golden era of of Turtles and that is literally my childhood. I, I mean, literally, I would have been like what four to eight, so I would have been like the perfect age for it, you know. Right. 
so the turtles were a big deal for me. They were, I, I had, I had the toys and I watched the cartoon and I have a VHS somewhere of Vanilla Ice's uh, Go Ninja, Go Ninja Go, the Ninja Rap. I, I was a big Turtles fan. Now, not so much anymore. I, I'm, for those of you who don't know, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, Turtles is still a thing. And that's a pleasant surprise for me, but it's not really something I've stuck with. But I will say that it was it was something I was a huge fan of as a kid. And and right all the stuff that we're talking about today, because we're going to be largely covering all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle video games and stuff from that era. I mean, that they, they I they, yeah, this is stuff I was uh, hooked on, like hooked on. But that being said, I thought that we would start today by talking about the turtles themselves. The story of the teenage mutagen, 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 <laughs> mutagen. Nice. This, yes. So the so the story of the teenage mutant ninja turtles, the turtles' origins, if you will, goes all the way back to 1983, a little bit before my time, where Peter Laird invited Kevin Eastwood Eastman to move in with him at his place in Dover, New Hampshire. So this comes from Dover, New Hampshire. The two had met sometime earlier in Massachusetts, and they started working together on various comic book illustrations. They were both budding artists, and they found a friendship in that and started working together. One night when they were doing some casual brainstorming, uh, Kevin Eastman drew a mass turtle standing on its hind legs legs armed with nunchucks and layered added the words teenage mutant under under it now this me this was this was this drawing was hilarious to these two right because it played upon the contradiction of a slow reptile a turtle that could possibly have the speed and agility of your typical japanese martial artist because i mean the two contradict one another right right so layered then wanted to push it forward and suggested that they create a team of four such turtles, each specializing in a different weapon. So with that, that that was where the basis of the turtles came from using a tax refund, along with money borrowed from an uncle, actually they formed Mirage studios. It was a, their own independent publishing um, publishing studio. And they started self publishing single issue comics that would pay homage to four other popular comics of their time. So if you want to know where the, the turtles, where their inspiration come from, comes from, here we go. So the Marvels, the New Mutants, which featured Teenage Mutants, Cerebrus, which featured anthropomorphic animals, Frank Miller's Ronin, which is all about a samurai, and Daredevil, which if you don't know, Daredevil is kind of still a thing these days, thanks to Netflix and <gasps> speaking of Daredevil. Rob, did you see that there? Did you ever watch the Netflix Daredevil series? negatory dave oh man they're bringing it back they're bringing it back on disney plus they just they just announced revealed uh the phase five and part of phase six for the mcu the marvel cinematic universe and closing out phase five is an 18 episode daredevil series on disney plus and i am so excited because that was excellent excellent show but as it pertains to the turtles Daredevil features ninja clans fighting for control of the New York underground. So if you look at all those four, Rob, do you kind of see how 
you know, Turtles fits into all these categories. Yeah, no, definitely. I can see that. And when you look more closely at the actual story of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you can you can see some direct correlations. So for starters, the origin stories of the turtles themselves, it starts with a traffic accident between a blind man and a truck that carries radioactive ooze. Now, since you're not really a Daredevil guy, you probably don't know, but the origin story of Daredevil is identical, where Daredevil's origin story is where he is a, a truck crashes that's carrying radioactive, you know, bad stuff, and it causes him to go blind. So they're they're almost mirrors of one another. This name Splinter. Splinter is the mentor of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It parodies Devil De- Daredevil's mentor, who is a man named Stick. So Stick becomes Splinter. It's kind of funny. And then the clan of evil ninjas in the Turtles world are called the Foot Clan. Well, the Ninja Clan in the pages of the Daredevil comic are all called the Hand. Oh, right. That, that all definitely has a very solid parallel there. It has. A, it's very solid. But the one thing goes on like so you have all these direct correlations to one another. All these, you know, they're samurai and they're anthropomorphic animals and so on and so forth. Why don't the turtles have Japanese names after all this clear influence that's, you know, Japanese and so on and so forth? I mean, Ronin is all about a Ronin is a samurai who doesn't have a lord. And the Ronin comic book series, because I'm a I love Frank Miller. Frank Miller's artwork is amazing. Um, the Ronin comic book series is about the, that concept in a more modern dystopian cyber ish format type deal. Um, so you have all these turtles and they don't have Japanese names with all this Japanese influence. And the story for that is I mean, it's it's kind of funny, to be honest with you. Really, what it was is Laird and Eastman didn't know any authentic sounding Japanese names. It was it was really that simple. They had no oh. clue what they wanted to do, so they opened up a history uh, a a copy that they of a book they had called the History of Art, and they picked the four Renaissance artists that they were most familiar with. So that's how we get you know four Ninja Turtles with with the names of Renaissance artists because they didn't know Japanese names. Plain that's simple. That's pretty great. So 1984 comes around and they published their first print run. It's a small print run, 3,200 copies, and it was instantly popular. It's kind of funny. I know it's not important to the video game, but I I, I was really amused when I was reading about the origin story of the the Ninja Turtles um, and its effect on everything. So when the Ninja Turtles came out, a lot of other small independent publishers wanted to cash in on the success so they put out other animal-based parody comic books. And to be honest with you, they're worth a look at because their names are freaking hilarious. Um, there were other ones like Adolescent Radioactive Black Belt Hamsters. Oh. Preteen Dirty Jean Kung Fu Kangaroos. Damn, that's a name. That's my favorite, to be honest with you. I don't know why I didn't save that for last. Preteen Dirty Jean Kung Fu Kangaroos. I mean, you can't fucking beat that. You know what I mean? That is a hell of a name, man. And then uh, there was another one called Karate Creatures. And after a short while, big publishers tried to cash in too. Uh, Marvel once put an advertisement in a comic for adult thermonuclear samurai elephants. Oh. Yeah, I know, right? But it never came into anything. Uh, It actually evolved into an X-Men parody that was called Power Pachyderms. 
which was released in 1989. Okay. I like adult thermonuclear samurai elephants much better than uh than power pachyderms. I don't know. Power pachyderms is a hell of a name, dude. Yeah, I know. It it says the same thing and so and so little. You know, while we're on the topic of names, I want to point out one other fact if you start to look through all of this. In some European regions, countries, there is a real negative connotation with the word ninja. So in a lot of other places, these places specifically, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are actually known as the Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, which to me doesn't have the same ring to it. Do you know anywhere, like any any of the uh, places where that is the case, specifically? Because that's interesting. Uh, um, the PAL region specifically, so Europe and African countries. Uh, Europe and African countries don't actually have TMNT. They they're they're games, they're movies. It was all mostly published as Teenage Mutant Ninja Hero Turtles. I'd be very curious to learn the uh, the history negative connotation. That. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I I didn't get a chance to look at that. So the comic is doing well. And it's not surprising that merchandising comes quickly after. So in 1987, the Turtles were licensed to Playmates Toys, who ends up producing tons and tons of Turtle toys. There were around 400 figures they, t- they produced in total and dozens of vehicles and play sets. I myself distinctly remember having all the Turtles and a sewer, like a, a sewer base that was like the you know, it was their actual, it was Splinter's base that you could put the turtles in. I remember having that. In case you wanted to know just how popular the turtles were, because like I said, 88 to 92, that was their heyday. In these four years, they sold 1.1 billion with a B dollars in merchandise. Whoa. So at the time, they were the third best selling toy figures ever behind G.I. Joe and Star Wars. So also that year, so 87, 88, you know, wanting to capitalize on the success of other action figure, comic book crossovers like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers. Uh, They also partnered with um, a studio and published on a and worked on a Turtles animated series. Used to watch this, loved it. It ran for 10 years and was also successful. And so it should come as no surprise that in 1989, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle video game was released for the Nintendo Entertainment System. This game was released after the show's second season. Have you played any of these early ones, Rob? I probably have and just don't remember. I I mostly just remember Turtles in Time. Do you remember? But I know I I had to have played other ones because we had more than one, I thought. I don't know if we had this one. This was not a beat 'em up like like the ones you're used to. You probably played the arcade too. Maybe we've stumbled across Manhattan, which is three. Definitely, you know, Turtles in Time, which is four, and later ones. But this first one was not an arcade, not a beat 'em up. So a lot of people don't really know it. Yeah, that one. I this one first one. I definitely don't know. So like most of the turtle stories, it follows the same plot. You know, April gets April gets uh, April or some notable figure gets, you know, kidnapped by Shredder. Um, And this one, you have to rescue April and Splinter fight Shredder and his goonies. Uh, I remember this game as a kid. I remember it being super hard. I also remember, you know, we recently during the Metal Gear episode talked about it being like uh, me having to 
watch a VHS tape called how to beat or how to, how to get the high score on games. And I remember one that had this on it. It was hard. That's what I remember. I don't think I ever beat this one. I don't think I even ever got to the techno drone, which is like the end of this one. It was originally released on the Nintendo. It was ported over to other systems in particular, the DOS and Amiga ports. So the PC ports of this game are really infamous because there is a jump in the game, a gap that you can't actually jump over normally. The only way to beat this, to get over that gap is you either had to cheat or use a glitch under normal circumstances. They, they, when they ported it, they made the gap too far for norm for you to jump, unfortunately. So, which is stupid. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I guess they just couldn't have seen it coming. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't care enough to fix. Mm-mm. But so it makes a... you wonder, like, did they, when they finished the port, did no one play through the entire game? I guess Were not. they just like, it's done? Like, that's crazy. Like, I thought testers played through the game. I, I guess I guess they didn't. I mean, they had to have. Who who'd release a game that you can't actually finish? You know. I mean, <laughs> apparently someone did. <laughs> so this first uh, Nintendo Entertainment System Turtles game was released in Japan. It was released under the name Geki Kame Ninja Den, which loosely translates to Legend of the Radical Ninja Turtles. Which I'm telling you because it's relevant in a moment. It was a massive success. It sold more than 4, four million copies worldwide, which is huge for a Nintendo game. And that earned about $125 million for Konami. Wow. That's pretty impressive. I know. 4 million copies of a Nintendo game is really impressive. So the same year while they're working on this NES port, they're also making an arcade game. And this also came out the same year. It was an arcade beat-em-up game called the... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game. And this was ported over to Nintendo as the first game a lot of people know in the Turtles series, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, right? This was originally a four-person arcade cabinet in which, again, April gets kidnapped and you go up against Shredder and his goonies. I remember it because the very first scene is an apartment building, her apartment building on fire, actually. This was the first of a lot of beat-em-ups, I think, that introduced me and it became a really big genre. When it was ported over to the NES, it featured a very notable product placement in the form of Pizza Hut logos everywhere. Nice. <laughs> and actually, the rear cover of the instruction manual even has a coupon for the restaurant that expired in 1991, if you ever find it. It's, can't use it anymore. Ah, oh, damn. I know. I mean, Pizza Hut, right? Gotta love Pizza right. Hut. You gotta love Pizza Hut. So this arcade cabinet was an instantaneous hit. It soon became Konami's highest grossing arcade cabinet. In fact, it was the single highest grossing arcade cabinet for all of 1990 throughout the entire United States. So it was a, it was a, it was everywhere. Everyone loved this one. It was a big deal. It was developed alongside the first Nintendo uh, Turtles game. But it was ported to the NES later, so it subsequently became Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, on the NES side of things. 
So a few years later, in 1991, they released another side-scrolling beat-em-up called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3 The Manhattan Project, also released for the Nintendo Entertainment System, right? In it, the Turtles are vacationing in Key West when April is taken hostage by Shredder, and the cycle starts all over again. I mean, you think April would do a better job of trying not to get kidnapped by Shredder. Also, you think he'd get a little bored when every time he kidnaps April, the Turtles, like, just jump over all his fun but no here we are i mean you'd also think he'd have larger goals than just going after april like i mean what what what's why well do you need i her mean to do what it, you need it, to do because she was she it wasn't the, it wasn't april he's not after april he's after the turtles and i mean that's the way to get to him the most is by taking their bestie you know got, but i mean got, if he was so good like why don't you just go get him why do hey, you have to hey he wised up in the later ones, right? I mean, now he's taking Lady Liberty, so he moved on from April to Lady Liberty. Exactly. You gotta go big or go home, dog. Hey, fun little fact about the Manhattan Project. The cover includes a Triceraton, which is a dinosaur-like creature that fights the turtles throughout the series, but there's actually no Triceraton in this game. It was... It, oh. Yeah, it was never included. That's awesome. <laughs> also, Also, you should know that uh, remember how I n- made a note that the first Turtles game was released under a different name in Japan? Yeah. Well, that made the arcade game the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles title, and this in Japan is actually the, the second t- Ninja Turtle title. So depending on where you oh. find a copy of the game, it gets super confusing because this is TMNT 2, the Manhattan Project in Japan. And in case you wanted to go a further level and find out even more how complicated it was, this one, the Manhattan Project, was never released in the PAL region whatsoever. So all those countries we talked about that have Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, this game doesn't exist to them at all. Yeah. Pretty wow. cool. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, yeah, this is, didn't realize this was such a big controversy. Uh, well, I don't know if it's controversial. Maybe for me it is. And that brings us to the topic of today's episode, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time. This was first released as an arcade cabinet in March of 1991. And again, it's a beat-em-up arcade cabinet that lets four players fight against Shredder and his goonies. In this one, though, they steal the Statue of Liberty The Turtles fight through the city for it, get warped back in time, where they have to fight Shredder's army both in the past and in the future in order to get home to defeat Shredder and return Lady Liberty to its place. Sound familiar, Rob? Mm, No, not really, Dave. A little bit. A little bit. So this arcade cabinet was ported over to the Super Nintendo later this year in July, hence why we're doing it as a topic today, because there's there's your connection. It's actually, despite all the weirdness of the titles we just went through, this one's not numbered in Japan. It's just Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. And despite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, the Manhattan Project, never being released in the PAL region, this game is still titled TMNT4, Turtles in Time, in those regions too. They just omitted the third one. It doesn't exist in the PAL region interesting i know so weird now i should point out there are some notable differences between the snes port that a lot of people know and the arcade cabinet there are some different animations and graphic effects 
The Super Nintendo version is missing certain voice samples for both the Turtles and the boss characters. And the arcade cabinet uses the Pizza Power song from the Turtles Coming Out of Their Shells tour. It was a little musical uh, tour that the Turtles went on. Well, the Super Nintendo contains an instrumental version of the cartoon theme song. There were a few levels in the arcade cabinet that were just made bonus levels in the Super Nintendo version. A new Technodrome level was added, and as they made all these level changes, uh, the Super Nintendo version came with four new bosses to reflect all these changes. And then, finally, the final battle in the arcade cabinet and the Super Nintendo port differ. This was just after the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies uh, had released, which is TMNT 2, Power of the Ooze? Secret of the Ooze? Secret of the Ooze. At the end of that... At the end of that movie, the turtles have to fight Super Shredder when he gets or Shredder gets radioactive and gets turned into Super Shredder. And so the final battle in the arcade or the Super Nintendo port was changed to Super Shredder to tie into said movie. So there you go. Oh, oh, well, damn. Well, damn. And truthfully, it was a very successful game. It quickly became Konami's best-selling arcade title. It knocked their first Turtles game off the pedestal. So for a while, it was their best cabinet ever. And then when they ported it over to the Super Nintendo version, uh, that version was the top-selling game in the United States for a couple months. I forgot what knocked it off its pedestal, if I'm being honest. Critics loved it, and the people loved it. I obviously loved it. Rob, you loved it? Uh, I would say that I did. Yeah, Dave. We played this one. Did we play this one? Four, right? Yeah. Yeah, Dave. That's that's literally the one we always played. The only one we played. <laughs> I know. Like, I come know. on. Well, actually, I can no longer say it's the only one we played. No, you can't because we changed that recently. Yeah, but we did play a lot. Of, we did play a lot of this one. Yeah. No, I think uh, this was probably my most played game as a child. Do we have it still? Uh, I don't know if I thought you had the super games. I'm, I may. I, I, I don't yes. remember. I know. I, I don't you, I, No, I'm pretty sure you have the Nintendo. I, games. I do. I just don't remember the whole collection. I was curious. I don't remember who has it. But yeah, you're probably like it's probably likely with me right now because I have the original Nintendo. You do. Yeah, because I had to rebuy my whole collection. So, yep. Well, we are big fans of this game clearly rob were other people big fans of this game well dave critics loved it and people did too yes they did that's it that's okay that's it that's we're gonna move on now huh well i mean we're gonna talk about it that's all there was we're gonna talk my god who wants to do that i clearly you you love hearing the sound of your own voice oh yeah i know ah 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 so anyway, Dave, let's roll into some critic reviews. So in issue 36 of Electronic Gaming Monthly, their, their review crew had a positive thing to say about the game, with all four reviewers giving it a 9 out of 10. Steve called TMNT4 for the SNES, quite honestly, the best side-scrolling action game to appear on the SNES so far. He called it a great game. That's a tad easy. Okay. Ed says that each version of the Turtles has been better than the one before it. Now, with the game going from 8 to 16-bit, 
Turtles 4 reaches an even higher level of excellence. Near-perfect gameplay, great special effects, and new moves make this one of the best games around. Too easy, though. (laughs) Martin says that the gameplay is awesome. Excellent graphics and hamming music make this one of the best-looking, best-sounding SNES carts around. Too easy. (laughs) Seriously? And Sushi X says that Turtles in Time is another conversion masterpiece. If the scaling gets were better, it might have been a 10. Three cheers to Konami for getting the programmers in line for this game. TMNT 4 is a super SNES hit to look out for. So I I always peek at, you know, when you pick these reviews, I, I really like these ones because like for this one, we pulled it right out of a the actual issue, like, you know, people scan all these old issues, of these magazines they put online. So we pull this right from that. Right. So whatever I see that you have them, I like to peek at them. And one of the things I really enjoyed about this one that fascinated me was that this every one of these guys gave it a nine out of ten and that made it in their rating scale a platinum hit. And it wasn't even the game of the month as a platinum hit because. And I don't think you're going to know the time period, but I'll just spit it out. This was up against Super Street Fighter 2 the month they reviewed it, which was to them an absolute masterpiece. So this got bumped to second in line for game of the month, which I find fascinating. Do you have a preference between the two, Rob? Um, I, I, I would have to say this. Really? That's a tough one. I played a lot of Super Street Fighter 2. That game was uh that was a genre changer for a lot of people. So it's a tough call for me. So. I mean, I didn't play it a whole ton. I wasn't really a whole lot of into those type of games at the time because I really sucked and it was not quite fun getting your ass beat every time you played. Uh now that I'm more adept to them, um, I, I might enjoy it a little more. But yeah, at the time I could I could beat up the, the foot the foot clan or the foot soldiers and you Very know true. all the bosses pretty easily. And beating you wasn't that fun. Cause it didn't happen. It's one of the few times you could beat me. Well, you know, that big difference. Now I can't beat you in crap. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, well, what else do critics have to say about the game? Uh, <laughs> well, Dave, in a retrospective review on Turtles in Time found on Nintendojo.com, one reviewer called this game a faithfully recreated arcade experience with a uniquely Turtles twist. They called it a phenomenon of gaming. In their opinion, Konami created the most perfect, brilliantly laid out action brawler in the history video games great animations and styles make the graphics fit perfectly for the crazy environments of this game whilst the audio doesn't have a lot of variety what it does have is just right for the characters and while the goal of the game is simple getting from point a to point b and fighting a boss this game handles it better than any other game ever has all in all they call Turtles in Time the definitive Ninja Turtles game. It it takes the cake out of all this early bunch, that's for sure. I, I 
I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. So what else we have in reviews, Rob? Well, Dave, I think we've talked enough about the critics. Let's get on to the user reviews. So with that, we have ETJB from Moby Games, who calls the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade game. Oh, sorry. So first up, we have ETJB from Moby Games, who says the original TMNT arcade game perfected the art of turtle power. It did so by building on the play mechanics of Double Dragon and Final Fight, while also adding its own uniquely Kawabunga combat comic book style. The sequel did likewise, and I'm happy to report that this 16-bit adaptation of the Turtles' second arcade game is equally praiseworthy. Our fabulous, funky, kick-butt ninjas look and sound awesome. Gameplay mechanics are easy to learn, responsive, and the ability to toss bad guys into the background was a cool feature. The Turtles battled the forces of evil in some beautifully designed levels, which once again highlighted the hardware advantages found in the Super Nintendo. The 16-bit war between Nintendo and Sega were furious in the 90s, and this is one of those early titles that showed just what the SNES could do. You know, we, we talked about Mode 7 recently, didn't we? Do you remember Mode 7? Uh, that honestly is escaping me. I can't say that I do. So this was one of the games. Mode 7 is is the technology that let them do more with the, the depth and what have you. And Mode 7 it was what is the, the concept that allowed the them to throw, that allowed them to throw stuff at the screen, which is something everyone really liked about this game. Gotcha, Dave. Well, it's uh, definitely something I'm going to try to have to remember because, uh, yeah, I don't remember ever talking about that before. Maybe we didn't. Maybe we talked. Did we talk about the FX chip on the SNES? I think maybe that's I what I'm thinking. I think of. we might have talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that maybe sounds a little more 7. familiar. Well, I'll have to do a little bit on mode seven somewhere. We haven't done F zero yet, so that'll come into play when we do F zero. Oh, man. Captain Falcon. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'll save it for then. So ETJB continues saying the damsel and dust that continues by saying that the damsel in distress storyline is a bit overdrawn in the video game franchise, but the hack and slash format is certainly not going to win any points originality. It is wonderfully designed and executed in this game, but you're still basically moving left to right in order to hack at familiar enemies and bosses. The turtles first leap into the 16 bit gaming world is an awesome one. It is a familiar sort of fast paced hack and action complete with a damsel in distress. If you can get a hold of this game, You'll be glad that you did. Turtle power. Turtle power. Go ninja, go ninja, go. (laughs) Ah, jeez, Dave. Oh, vanilla Vanilla ice was the shit. I will not. I will not deny that. Um, But, you know, it's definitely more your generation than mine. It's definitely my generation. But hey, he does have a badass Mustang. That thing is cold. Huh? Cold. You said cold. You said cool, but you should have said cold. Cold Cold as as ice. ice. Yeah. I mean, that thing is just such Mm. a a sick ride. Anywho, next up, we have user Darth Sith nineteen on Moby Game, who talks, who says that on each level you get to pick one of the four turtles and kick the shell out of countless bad guys. Yeah. Each turtle has way too many attacks to keep track of, and each level has tons of cool bad guys, and each level has a boss at the end. 
The bad guys include several different colors and types of foot soldiers, roadkill Rodneys, Mausers, stone warriors, robots, and much, much more. The bosses include Baxter Stockman, Toka, Razor, Krang, Shredder, and more. Each level increases in difficulty an appropriate amount. The sound, music, and graphics are far beyond this game's time period, and the dialogue is freaking awesome. This game is multiplayer, and there's a verse mode too, where you and a friend each pick one of the turtles and fight each other, as well as a time trial area. He does say that it's a little hard to get used to the controls, at least compared to other games. Like what? I, I, you know, they didn't specify the other game, so I really don't have an answer. But okay, all right, maybe maybe compared to like Pong. Okay. Um, but each and they do say that each time you play, it's the same thing, so it can't get boring. They say if you're only going to get one game for the Super Nintendo, not to get this one. But they also finish the review by saying to get this game. And that it rocks. I'm sorry, what? If you're only going to get one game for the SNES, don't get this one? So, if you're only going to get one, it's not this one. But if you get another one, then you have to get this one. So, I, you know, it's it's this paradoxical loop. Yeah, I wish you could see my face right now. I okay. No, that's terrifying. <laughs> you uh, little shit. All right, fine. You got jokes tonight. Move it along. Uh, I sure do, Dave. And with that, we're going to get up to our last user review from user Mumra on Moby Games, who says the four Ninja Turtles named after Renaissance artists were back for their last and arguably best side-scrolling game on a Nintendo console. The story is always the same. Shredder has done something wrong, and Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello and Raphael have to fight an infinite number of Foot Clan soldiers and other creatures to defeat the big boss. It may sound repetitive, but Double Dragon and Final Fight also are. The news here is that the turtles travel in time to the past and then to the future. Graphics are very good. The sprites are beautifully designed, detailed, colorful, and cartoon-like and they also have personality. The bosses are big, just like in the arcade version. Konami made an ample use of Super Nintendo zoom capabilities, as Foot Clan soldiers are thrown towards the screen by the turtles. The backgrounds are nice, but don't quite match the sprites. They say the sound is astonishing, featuring the old traditional turtle song, the same from the cartoon, and very good special effects, including digitized voices, Something really rare for the SNES. The gameplay is one of the nicest ever following the arcade versions. The sprites move very quickly and the enemies fill the screen. The controls are simple and each turtle has a variety of over 20 different moves. All of them very easy to perform. All of these elements contribute to make a great game. One which you could finish thousands of times without getting super bored. They do say the game is not perfect, though, and probably concentrates more problems than its two predecessors. They're not going to blame the game for some slow motion scenes, but they do think that's a cause of the SNES's slow processor. But the things they really don't like is that the first game is short. Or firstly, that the game is short. It is probably a consequence of the rapid action, 
but it is a fact that it takes much less time to finish than the two previous games. Secondly, it's too easy. It could be an advantage for the beginners, but people who have already played a bunch of Turtles games deserved a little more. Luckily, it's not the kind of game that you can put aside once it's finished. You keep it playing because it always provides lots of fun. And Mumra finishes the review by saying that it's hard to say if Turtles in Time is the best Ninja Turtles game ever, but it's certainly the best 16-bit console turtle game. A true classic. <laughs> I want to make yes. a joke there where it's that, the... What? That little dig at the end. The best 16-bit console turtle game? Yep. I think uh, it's a good little little stab there. It's not the only one, though. Eh. It, it's the best, though. No, okay, so for real, they made a Turtles game for the Sega Genesis. It's oh, called, that I was unaware of. It's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Hyperstone Heist. And it is, it, it's a similar story. It borrows animations and stuff from this, from Turtles in Time. They're very similar games. Not the same game, but they're very, very similar games. So you have... Turtles in Time for the SNES, and you have Hyperstone Heist for the Sega Genesis. So, well, damn, that uh, blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. never had a, a Genesis, but you know, I know I would probably explain well, why I didn't know about this. Well, also for Super Nintendo, they had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Tournament Fighters, which was a, a, a like a fighting game that starred everyone. But um, yeah, Rob, did you know that they remade Turtles in Time? No, Dave, I didn't. So in the crap, I want to say 360 era, man, I didn't write it down and now it's escaping me. I played it too, which is the worst part. They made a Turtles in Time reshelled 3D where they redid the entire game in a 3D engine. Um, it's not, it doesn't change. It's not like a different game. It's just not 2D graphics. It's, it's literally 3D cartoony graphics. It was an Xbox Live game, if I'm not mistaken, because you first could buy it on like the Xbox Arcade. Arcade. Yeah, <laughs> reshelled, reshelled 3D. I, I like the, the idea of a cave of games. The Arcade. <laughs> the Arcade. Yeah, the Arcade of games. So like, a, you know, Turtles is still around. And it is. It is. There have been four animated series, including one that's still going. I know, Dave. I was being funny. <laughs> there, are, there, there are six feature films, some of which that we don't want to talk about. Why not, Dave? Because Michael Bay made them and they're grotesque. What's so bad about them, Dave? But, but they're just weird. Have you ever watched the <laughs> Michael Bay ones? Uh, yeah, they, they're they definitely are, a little weird. fucking just so weird. But you know what? So it doesn't really show... In most of the ways that we, like you and I, know the Turtles. But the original comic book series was very dark. It it was a dark humor type of series. And when it became more popular and found its way to us, it became a campy humor series that lost a lot of that darkness to it. So in a way, Michael Bay brought it back to the darkness but it's definitely not what the turtles are to probably more people. It's probably like campy humor now more so to more, more people than the dark side. Does that make sense? Yeah. But honestly, the thought of a dark side, uh, turtles is kind of badass. 
Oh, I mean, it is badass. Um, I'm not going to say I hate everything about the Michael Bay ones, but it's weird. I mean, I know they're, I think they're working on another one. I know Seth Rogen is currently producing, maybe writing to a new turtle slated for release next year. Okay. That's badass to hear. I am excited. Um, Also next month, the latest animated series is called rise of the teenage mutant Ninja turtles. And next month, August, uh, because if you're listening to this august of 2023 on netflix they're releasing a rise of the teenage mutant ninja turtles movie so we actually get a new movie next month uh animated movie next month um that's based on the latest animated series so you said august 2023 oh i meant 2022 i'm sorry Ooh. i meant 2022 it literally comes I out next month. a whole year i was like yeah no 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 because there's a video game coming out next month i want to talk about too that the, the the game, the movie and the game both come out next month. But before I get to the newest video game, let's talk about all the other video games because we didn't just stop at Turtles in Time. Mixed in with all these games we talked about, there were three Game Boy games that have different plots. I talked about Hyperstone Heist. There was Tournament Fighters, which was a uh, like a Street Fighter type game with all the Turtles characters. They made video games for just about every other TV series. There was a video game made for the 2003 TV series. There was a video game made for the 2007 uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie that we've covered. Um, there was a ton of mobile games. Uh, and then most recently that came out last month was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. Now that's what I was alluding to. Rob, you and I played through the entire thing in the past week, didn't we? That we did, Dave, yes. What did you think about Shredder's Revenge? I really enjoyed it. I thought it played very well. I thought it was a, a good good story. And, uh, you know, it, it it was just definitely take me back to my first ever memories of gaming. Now, it's not a big investment for those of you out there that are thinking about it. It is on Xbox Game Pass. So we're Game Pass subscribers. So it, it's part of our subscription. You can buy it, I think, for $20 or $25 on Steam separately if you're not a Game Pass subscriber. And it is a pretty standard beat em up. In all honesty, it's a lot like Turtles in Time. It follows a very similar story, not to give it away, but Lady Liberty gets, you know, something happens to Lady Liberty and you have to go against Shredder, um, you know, not, not just here, but elsewhere too, to rescue Lady Liberty. So in the original Turtles in Time, Lady Liberty gets stolen and then you have to go throughout time to rescue her. So the plots, the plots are very similar. Shredder's Revenge is very much an homage to Turtles in Time. It's got a similar plot. It's got similar characters. You go to a lot of the same levels that have been redone in really good good ways. Uh, You go to, you see a lot of the same bosses with some new appearances. It is, it's a brand new game that throws a lot back to Turtles in Time but in a very good way. I, I completely agree. Uh, it's not a big investment in a few hours, but I really enjoyed the few hours that we, we played it. Absolutely. It felt like playing Turtles in Time again. So I really enjoyed it. We played it as a th- th- four people, didn't we? We did a four person. Yeah. Well, we had we started with four, and then one of them had to, Damon had to drop off about halfway through. So yeah, we only yeah. finished with three. But, but yeah, you, we had up to four people. But you can play up to six. So you can get together with five of your friends and, and play through a beat em up in a couple hours and, and have a good time. It, it, I really enjoyed it. Genuinely really enjoyed it. 
if you enjoyed Shudder's Revenge and you want to see where it came from, all the games that we've been talking about today, all those arcade titles, the NES, original NES one, the arcade NES one, you know, TMNT 2, TMNT 3, the TMNT 4, Super Nintendo, the three Game Boy titles, Hyperstone Heist, and Tournament Fighters. All, I don't, God, I think 12 titles are coming out in an entire emulated collection next month called the Kawabunga Collection. Now, this is going to be on Steam and other platforms. I forgot the price. It releases August 20th. But it's going to have all these games in one collection that you can play on your computer. And four of them are five of them tournament fighters. And I think the arcade versions of these games are all going to have online uh, online multiplayer. So you'll be able to play some of these early ones together. And frankly, I'm super excited for it. It's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Cowabunga Collection. <laughs> That's incredible. I did not know about that, and I am excited now. Cause... Yeah, it's super cool. I have it wishlisted on my Steam account, and um, it's got all these. All these games we're talking about today, they're all found in the Cowabunga Collection. Um, they're pretty close. They're emulated you know, from the original title. So it's not like they redid them or anything. They're, they're, they're as they are with some online co-op. And I, I just, I'm, I'm excited. They're really great. Now, in case you didn't know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have a pretty, I, I guess, uh, wide range of arcade titles. Rob, they've appeared in 64 different games since the beginning, since their creation in 80, 89 was the first game. Now, this includes their games uh, on systems and mobile, as well as their appearances in other games. So, like, they've been in the Injustice series uh, as, as fighters. They were featured in Brawlhalla. They were in Nickelodeon our All-Star Brawl, for instance. So, that includes appearances in those games. Um, but altogether, there are 64 different video games out there that the Turtles have, have appeared in, which I, I had no clue that there were 64 of them out there, you know? Yeah, that's a way larger number than I expected. I thought maybe like 20, but 64, that's insane. There's, in all honesty, there's probably 20 some mobile games that we've probably never tripped on in our life because the mobile market is just so saturated, you know, uh, but there's a lot of mobile games. And then every time a new movie or animated series comes out in the modern era, they release a video game to go along with it. So there's every era has its own video game. There's GameCube and 360 and then you know, now PlayStation three and Xbox one, each of them have like a turtle title, um, you know, that has correlated with some, some release or what have you, but yeah, 64 games, a whole lot. And the series is still going. What else can I say? The series is still going, still getting movies in development. We still have an animated series coming out. We still have video games coming out that we're excited for. I'm sure other people are excited for. Um, it's really interesting that they have they have survived as a franchise for this long. I mean, let's be honest. Eighty, they were they their first stuff was I don't know eighty seven 80, earlier. You know, so 38, 37, 36 years. They're still going strong. That's pretty awesome. Yes, it is, Dave. So maybe they'll keep going and future generations can can enjoy the turtles, too, because I, I do. 
I do. Shredder's Revenge was a lot of fun. I agree. I had fun with you too. So we'll pick up the Cowabunga collection and play through some of the titles we've never gotten a chance to play through when it comes out. Sounds perfect to me. That's it. That's it. Hell yeah. All right. Well, that'll about do it for our episode on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Rob, any any other little T- TMNT tidbits, facts, stories, anything that you'd like that we really haven't I haven't pulled out of you yet? Anything? I mean, Dave, I guess I'm just curious. Uh, how well do you remember the story or the uh, the levels? Not very well at all, to be honest with you. I I I, I know that just by looking at this, that they mirrored Shredder's Revenge pretty well. We replayed some levels. I don't know if you you remember that, but we like. I remember the Manhattan, isn't the Manhattan Bridge one of them? Uh, I believe you go on the bridge. Um, yeah. Because that should be the first battle of Big Apple against. Uh, oh, the Battle of Big Apple. I remember that name now. I think that's the fly form of Baxter. Baxter, Baxton. Yeah. Um. After that, I forget the second. I think it's still in New York, but I know that you have the sewer level, the auto scroller. So the first then, level, the first level is Big Apple, three a.m. Yep. The second level is Alley Cat, Alley Cat Blues. Blues. The third level is Sewer Surfing. The Technodrome. Fourth, the fourth level is Technodrome. Let's kick then shell. Prehistoric Turtlesaurus. That's correct. Yes. Skull and Crossbones. I don't remember Skull and Crossbones. You don't I remember wish, the ship? I wish I did. I really, genuinely wish I did. That so, sounds cool. That one is actually pretty fun because at the end, a little tidbit. I mean, this is kind of a known thing. If you've played, there are two bosses, obviously, you know, Bebop and Rocksteady. Right. And you only have to take down one of them because if you kill one of them, they start fighting themselves and it's over. Oh, nice. So if you focus on one, you can beat it that much quicker. Little uh, speed running tip I picked up. The next, do you remember the level after Skull and Crossbones? Bury my shell at Wounded Knee. That's the 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 speeding, yes, it is the train level the in train the speedrunning community. Uh, a little joke that went around that I heard from GDQ recently was uh, bury my run at Wounded Knee <laughs> because there's apparently something in there that is very run killing. Okay, then. Uh, after that one, I don't remember the name. So it was Neon Night Riders because it was and it's the, pretty much the same thing. Oh, the uh, this is another scrolling level, right? Correct. Gotcha. Okay. This yeah, this is the one the scrolling along the the street. Yep. Okay. All right. And then that, after that, that should have been something in space. Starbase, where no turtle has okay. gone before. Yep. Okay. And then you finish it off with the Technodrome again. Not surely. The final shell shock. But so yes, yeah, that it, uh, it, it's it's crazy because I remember all the time we played it and struggled. Uh, Speedrunner. I don't know if it is the most up to date, but one of the more recent ones that I had watched was somewhere around twenty two minutes, twenty under. I think it was sub twenty two. Wow, I yeah, wow, <laughs> makes you wonder, man. <laughs> That's just nuts. Because we spent hours, and that's on the we were on normal difficulty, I'm sure. And these, this is the hardest difficulty. Um, but it does use the use of uh, some pretty cool exploits. So there is a skip in Technodrome where one of the Mausers 
if you attack it while your teammate gets attacked by it, will skip you automatically to the elevator. Really? And you get to go to the Shredder fight. Yep. So, uh, it's a I believe they call it a wrong skip or something like that. Um, but yeah, so it's a skip for that. And it has the chance of also skipping the elevator scene going straight to Shredder. Like, other times it'll literally just, like, show the level intro again and then go to Shredder. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it'll literally go and just skip that whole part there on uh, Techno. And then at one point after that, um, there is actually a way for both characters to become Raphael. What? Yes. Uh, it has something to do with being at a certain health. And I forget exactly how it happens. I really can't think of it right now. Um, but it allows you... One character will appear as Raph on screen... But I believe there might their name will say Mike, or I guess maybe it could be anyone. That's um, weird. And that allows when the other player to die uh, when they die and can change characters, they can then select Raphael, who, as you know, is the fastest and most hard hitting character in the game, which naturally is why he's the best. I mean, come uh, on, uh -huh, that, that's, that's why that's I'm why Raph. Raph. Yeah, that's why exactly, you're Raph. exactly. Okay. All right, so. Uh, just just some fun little facts about the game from the speedrunning community. Well, I'm still still a Leonardo fan, so. I mean, no, I'm not going to lie. They're, they're all great. They're all wonderful. But in terms of actually playing the game, Raphael has a beat. They they literally say he's a little bit of a broken character. So is there anything else for you, Dave? Because apparently I remember more about this than you do. No, there's not. I love the turtles <laughs> and... um. Uh, it was always, it was just really cool. I, that I, it was one of the games that I really took time to, to learn some of the speed running things. I haven't done it myself cause I don't know of a copy of the game and I don't know if they played it on an emulator or not. Um, if it would still have the same exploits. So, uh, but it's, it was definitely one of those ones that I really got into watching speed running of. So I'd recommend it for anyone who's a fan of the game to, if you're into speed running, definitely give this one a look. You're going to have to start looking up speed runs every week. I'm going to make that your thing. <laughs> every week you can tell us what the speed run, uh, it, the speed run time is on it. Cause that would be fascinating. So, uh, it is fascinating. Crap. It blows my mind how fast people get through these. Oh yeah. People are creative, man. They, they come up with some of the craziest things. This was a, th this was a fun game. Uh, and I agree. It was probably one of our favorite super Nintendo games to play together and super nintendo was excellent you know rob we've covered a lot of super nintendo games i mean more than our share of them i can think of uh, off the top of my head mario paint for instance we covered a super nintendo title i don't know why that one popped in my head but it did <laughs> i don't either we did super <laughs> mario world too you know i was just thinking about it last week I, I made a comment about how we've never done mario and then i was like oh yeah we've done the weird mario it's mario hotel and then I thought Mario Paint. But I was like, God damn it, we've also done Super Mario World, which is not a weird Mario. It's actually my favorite Mario, and we did it. Oh, it's pretty weird, Dave. Okay, whatever. Well, if you want to go back and check on all these old Super Nintendo games that we did, along with lots of other great content, you can do so by visiting our website at www.memorycardlane.com. Also on memorycardlane.com, if you want to see our future episodes, we have a calendar of upcoming events. Uh, you can join us on our website. There's a link where you can hit that button 
and uh, send your memories to us. If you want to join the fray, we'd be more than happy to share your memories on our podcast. So feel free to hit that button, send them to us. You can find our biographies. You can find a link to our discord where you can join us to play games, chat, or just tell me how you know dumb I am every week as I go about these. I don't care. Just come say hi. Lots of fun stuff to find on memorycardlane.com. Also, there are our show notes where you can find links to all the research we've done on this. Usually a video played through a whole bunch of great stuff if you want to check out our website. There's also a link to our social media. I am on different platforms as David is wrong. Rob, why don't you hit up the people with your social media these days? Well, Dave, I will be found streaming on twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T-B-O-I-R-I-P-Z. All right, Fatty McGee. Fat boy Rippy Rips. I I guess it's about time to take it out of here, huh? Ah, uh, you know, I, I guess as much as I hate to say it, yeah, it is. This is a wrap up on uh it's a wrap on number one hundred. It's, it's I know we did number one hundred and our favorite game. It's all so poetic. I know. Wrapping the up the game that got it all started for Rob, which you know, that's that's exactly why that this uh I said last week this was such a great game. It's one of the best because it's really what got me into it. It's If it weren't for this game, I don't know that I'd be the gamer that I am. I don't know if I can point that to a singular game. I mean, we've talked about in the past about how like I remember my earliest game, but I don't really know what game hooked me. I don't know. No, nope, I definitely think it was this. And honestly, it's probably the only reason I still play games with you. Because if I hadn't started here, you'd probably be boring as hell to play with. Yeah, I know. I'm the worst. <laughs> I uh, am the fucking worst. Well, before I take it out of here, is there anything else you'd like to add to today's episode? Well, Dave, I guess I would like to take a moment to ask, what was your favorite thing learning about the game? Oh, I never learned about the origin of the turtles whatsoever. Um. I never learned about the origin of turtles. It was really interesting to find out their influences and where they came from, where they were created. I know that's not the game in particular. That's the turtles themselves. But I was most fascinated by that because it's something I never put much thought into before. So to know they came from, you know, Frank Miller and, you know, the new mutants, the Ronin, the, uh, uh, yeah, all those. Daredevil. Daredevil, thank you, Cerebus and Daredevil. Appreciate that. Daredevil is what I couldn't think of. To know that it came from all those influences was great for me because when you know them and you get to to realize that, you can start to put the pieces together. It's funny to me that the hand becomes the foot. It's funny to me that the stick becomes splinter. I never knew these things, but it's so obvious now that it's been put in front of me. And it's, it's hilarious, frankly. I think it's great. It is great the way that that works out. You know, it's just like you said, it's so blind. You're so blind to it. And then all of a sudden you're like, damn, how could I not see it before? I know. I know. And I mean, I, I know. You know well, realizing that all of their names had something to do with Renaissance artists. Like, I know. Thunk? Well, I'm going to ask you the same question, but I'm going to do it the way I'm supposed to introduce it. So each week we tell you a story about one game relevant to the current week in gaming history. And while doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. As part of our commitment to teaching you these things, we acknowledge the fact that we learn new things every week. And we like to share with you our biggest takeaways, which of course mine was the origin of the turtles. So Rob, 
what is your biggest takeaway? Thanks, Dave. It just sounded like you were getting ready to cancel, like close up before you did that. Mm-hmm. No, that was good. No, you. I forgot about it. Honest to God, forgot about it. I forgot about it. Hey, funny little fact, if you're listening this far into it, if I haven't bored you already, when I was writing, because we write an outline for every episode, I always outline, always do my research. Well, I was writing this a few days ago. A cat decided to fall on, come and say hi, and she put me to sleep. I fell asleep in the middle of this and forgot about it. I'm awful. Whoopsie. So I was scrambling to fill in some gaps at the last minute and I forgot I forgot this little segment we normally do, which we do it every week, so I shouldn't forget. But I forgot. So thank you, Rob, for catching me. And now here's the question. What is your favorite takeaway? <laughs> Didn't really need to add all that, but I <laughs> whatever. I'm human. Cats well, Dave, sleep. I I think that my biggest takeaway from all of this, uh would probably have to be the origin was pretty cool to learn. Uh, mm-hmm. I never really knew that, but I think mm-hmm. it's more interesting to me to know about all of the uh, cheap knockoffs. Oh my like, God. You're so I, right. I, I, I never, I've never stumbled across any of those and it's hilarious to me. I mean, you know, karate creatures, adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters and your favorite and mine the preteen dirty jean kung fu kangaroos i mean those names i know alone all right so real quick real quick because we're we're running a little bit long in response to all these and there was a few either others too uh, you know, I covered adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters. I carried preteen dirty gene kung fu kangaroos. There was mildly microwave prepubescent kung fu gophers. Oh my god! And geriatric gangrene jujitsu gerbils. Jesus. So, in response to all these absolutely absurd, absurd comic book titles, they dark horse. Uh, comics released a character who's still been around for a while is still around called boris the bear okay boris the bear's first published comic was called boris the bear slaughters the teenage radioactive black belt mutant ninja critters and it was literally released as a response to this little fad where everyone was parody parody parodying the turtles boris slaughters the teenage radioactive black belt mutant ninja critters yeah so that it that got even is awesome it got even more meta than that with the freaking prepubescent kung fu gophers and geriatric gangrene jujitsu gerbils i mean come on man <laughs> what the hell hey man people wanted to make that money and they thought there was a way to do it so there you go. If you're curious about the Boris the Bear origin, we'll probably never cover that in video games. There's a there's a little thing for you to learn today too. So bonus bonus knowledge for you. Bam. Bam, Dave. Bam. Bam bam bam. All right, Rob Wall, uh before I take it out of here, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, Dave, I would like to take a quick moment to say thank you to everyone for listening. We're 100 episodes in. Hopefully we'll be here for a hundred more, but we're so happy to have made it this far. 
and we're happy to have you along with us for the ride. I got asked that earlier today. Someone flat out said, hey, are you you in it for another hundred? And I was like, well, I don't (laughs) plan on quitting anytime soon. So, yes, but also who knows what tomorrow brings, you know? Very true, Dave. There is no plan start date. There's no plan stop date. I can tell you that if you're regularly listening, we have episodes already planned deep into 2023. Every single time I'm on this podcast and I say, hey, we should do an episode on that later. When the episode is done, I literally go on the calendar, find out where it should go and plug it in. So, you know, based on that, we filled a lot of episodes into next year. So I don't think we're going anywhere anytime soon. But the thought of another hundred, it's just not really a thought at this point. If it happens, it happens great. And if it doesn't, there's going to be a good reason for it, you know? Oh, absolutely, Dave. I don't know if we'll make it to another hundred, but it's still a hundred in week by week. Hey, we're one month away from two years of of doing this. That's accomplishment in itself. So that is exactly it, Dave. How many years? How how many freaking things can we say we've stuck stuck two years around on? It's been pretty fun doing this with you week in, week out. Right you are, Dave. All right. Well, on that note, I'm going to take it out of here. Next week, Rob, we're going to look at a game that simply started off as a Half-Life 2 mod that basically came about when a game developer stopped and thought about what would happen if a player went against the narration of a game instead of going through the motions. Now, this game was finally released way back in July of 2011. So 11 years later, uh, we're going to take a look at it. Uh, it actually 11 years later just received a re-release this is called the stanley parable ultra deluxe edition Uh, we're going to look at stanley parable in its entirety starting with the half-life 2 mod looking at how it evolved into a standalone game and then into a ultra deluxe version that came out earlier this year yeah rob have you ever played stanley parable i've not played it but i have seen some gameplay of it oh man it's unique and a lot of fun i i very much like this game anyways topic of conversation for next week so stick around and join us so we can educate you properly on safe decision making in the real world on yet another trip down memory card lane do the thing do up do up do ba do up da da da